Okay, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Hello, hello, hello. Um, I do not see David Bruce right now in this moment, in this space, but I'm going to channel David Bruce. So everybody do me a favor, wherever you are, whatever conversation you are currently ending as you are getting to your seat, um, I want you to just take a moment and, hey, there he is, take a moment and breathe with me. Just take a moment and breathe. Just take a moment and breathe. Okay. Many of us have braved horrific traffic to be here. Many of us are dealing with fear or frustration or anxiety that we can't even verbalize. But the truth is right now that God is our living hope. I want to pray through just a, a piece of this psalm and we're going to get into our uh, quiet time. So, or our, not our quiet time, our midweek. Um, hopefully, hopefully you got into that earlier today, but we're going to, if you haven't, we're about to save you right now. Um, so do me a favor, close your eyes right now. I want you to just listen to the music that's filling the space. And I want you to breathe in the life of these words. Father in heaven, I just pray that you would show us your ways. I pray that you would teach us your paths. Guide us all in your truth and teach us for you are God, our savior. And you, Lord, are our hope all day long. Remember, Father, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of our youth and our rebellious ways, but according to your love, remember us, for you, O Lord, are good.
see the power of those words so we're gonna go back and I want to lift up a raucous praise of everyone in this room singing those words amen all right let's lift it up to him then came the reading um, out of Romans and it inspired these songs this morning so I want to share what I read to you in Romans chapter 5 it says therefore since we have been justified through faith <laughs> that right there we have been justified through faith amen we are justified we are dead to sin no longer we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, which we now stand in. And we boast in the hope and the glory of God. That's what we boast in. We boast in the hope that we have, that we gain through God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope and hope does not put us to shame this does this doesn't mean that we're we're ashamed by it but it, it means it, it doesn't it's not defeating us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us you guys the fact that we have the Holy Spirit is our source of hope that could be a cornerstone of joy even in the midst of trials where we could find peace and hope and so i want you to hear that right now i want you to hear that you have access to the holy spirit something so much bigger than any situation any fear any insecurity whatever you are immediately um, experiencing or enduring right now the holy spirit is limitless unending hope so let's welcome him here tonight
spirit of I belong, I just want you to know that we are no longer dead to sin. We are no longer slaves. We have a tormentor and an accuser who goes about the world every day accusing us before God and accusing God before us. But that is not who we are. That is not who God is. God redeems us and tells us our real name when we are baptized in him. So I want you to know who you are in God. Father, we thank you for just a reminder that we are yours, that we are no longer slaves to sin, 
that we are not held accountable to those things, but Jesus' perfect sacrifice and his holy blood on the cross purifies us, cleanses us, and redeems us and becomes our living hope. God, we love you and praise you so much. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I know you guys are jealous. <laughs> I know this designer, so he hit me up. <laughs> Good to see everybody. How are we feeling tonight? Good to see you. What's up, Tor? I see you. Uh, so uh, we have a really encouraging time planned. Of course, there are a couple of big things that happened uh, this past weekend. First of all, I heard that um, the uh, singles had a great time and a great conference in uh, San Diego. Sheldon sent me the pictures. I know that there are people from all over. And in fact, I do know that we have a, a couple, a dating couple that are visiting here from Monterey, Mexico. Right? Uh, that's right. And you're dating? Okay. So um, can we? Right? It works. Check. Michael, we, we good? We good? Look at that. Oh. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, yeah, I'm telling you, it was glorious. It was glorious, beyond words. And uh, as we are, have been in the second week of our series, I Belong, it just sometimes, you know, the spirit puts on your heart or maybe you think you come up with an idea. I think this series would be good. But it's so resonant, the idea that we belong to God. And uh, my incredibly brilliant and amazing wife, Trey, uh, had a thought about this. She, she has a lot of spiritual depth, right? Those of you that know her know that that's true of her. Like she's not like a super dominating personality, but when she has thoughts, they are they got a lot of power, right? In that small small frame. So, um, she had a great idea, which I I feel like um, we want to do over the next several weeks, because we're talking about the idea of I belong. And David established a couple of weeks ago the fact that. First and foremost, we get our identity and know that we belong to God. And he read the passage where God, uh, where uh, Jesus was baptized and the spirit descended on him like a dove. And he said, this is my son uh, with whom I'm well pleased before he had begun anything, which communicates to us that we are his sons and daughters, but not because of what, how we performed, but simply because of our, our identity as his uh, son or daughter and us trying to not just intellectually get that, but walk around where we feel it in our heart, where we feel the right sense of being possessed by our heavenly father. I am his son, I am his daughter, and uh, he is well pleased, not based on my performance, but based on his choice to love me and to make me perfect forever, according to the Hebrew writer, even though I am being made holy which communicates that I am not fully holy. And we all know that we are not anywhere near fully holy. But even though we're still in a sanctification process, he's already made us perfect. Uh, David, can you put up that definition? Uh, or here, no, I'll do it. Is, is it uh, next? First, First okay. Um, we're created to belong. An idea is uh, to, be, to be loved and know our worth. And so during this series, we are, we're, we're trying to get that more deeply into our heart's DNA that we feel that way. Like uh, what, uh, what um, uh, James talked about, Jack feeling, right, with all these people speaking life and God, that basically being God's mouthpiece speaking life into this young man. So that's what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. I want to put that, um, this one passage, and I, I love that picture. Are you a believer, but not only a believer, but a belonger? Uh, let me get to Romans 12. That was a good one, too. People know John 3.16, but they don't know 1 John 3.16, right? Yeah. About belonging. Okay, here we go. Uh, can we read this together? Yeah. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. That, if you, if you want to have like a theme scripture, that's it right there. Now, what part of your body would you willingly part with? 
Is there, do you have a part of your body that you would say, you know, I don't really need it. It's not essential for life. I can do without it. Just take it, right? You don't feel that way about any part of your body, right? Now, there, there's, well, <laughs> love handles. Somebody said love handles. I get, you know, there, there's some we might put in, you know, maybe for a redo or like, uh, I don't know if that should be that. Look, maybe it could look a little different. Nose or whatever, you know, smaller, whatever. Um, but honestly, each part of our body is precious to us, is it not? And even the smallest part of it, when it is injured, it alerts the rest of the, the members, right? And all of the members are in pain together because they're all connected. And I want, want us to remember that's the picture that Jesus gives us, that the scriptures give us, that we are limbs connected by ligaments and we all belong to each other. And so what we're going to be doing on midweeks, we're not going to do another subject, but during midweeks, we're going to amplify what we've, been taught, what we've been talking about on Sundays in terms of belonging. And Trey's brilliant idea was uh, there are so many churches in the New Testament that we can look at and so many uh, different writings to them. So we can look at them and see, okay, so how do we figure out what belonging looks like on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis among the members? We know we belong, but what does that look like? And so what we're going to do over the next several midweeks is we're going to be looking at different churches in the New Testament. And we'll see that some of them were, all of them were diverse. They were different. The church in Corinth was different than the church in Jerusalem, which was different than the church in Pergamum, which was different than the church in Berea, and in a sense of, you know, different cultures, different demographic makeup, different age, and so forth and so on, but they were unified in being worshipers of Jesus and believing in and, and proclaiming the resurrection of Christ. And so we're going to do that in the next several weeks. Does anyone have a favorite church from the New Testament among all of them that you know about? Anybody have a favorite church? No? And drop it. Look bad. So uh, I love this. And, and honestly, I think about there's so many passages where Paul actually was talking about Pandora's church, Ephesus, when he's meeting with the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. And it says, he says uh, to the elders, keep watch over this flock, uh, which Jesus paid for, what God paid for with his blood. And so looking at the church through that lens, right, rather than my um, different people that can sometimes get on my nerves or people on whose nerves I get. But looking at these are people, this group, Jesus gave his blood, and I need to treat it with that level of value and, and different things. Does anybody know how many churches, this is a good uh, Bible trivia question, how many churches are there, different churches are there in the New Testament? Does anybody know? Would anyone hazard to guess? How about this? Can we name a church? Let's do just just shout out a church, and we can count them. Count them. Okay, Berea, Antioch, Jerusalem, Joppa, what? what? Laodicea, Laodicea. Okay, <laughs> Thessalonica, Athens, Jerusalem. What'd you say? There is. Okay, <laughs> I'll go with. So that's that's a nine. Colossi. Okay. Romans? Philippi? Smyrna? Thessalonica? Okay, we're up to... Okay, sorry. Okay, so that's... Where am I? (laughs) I can't remember. I'm kind of... (laughs) I think... uh, Let's go with 15. Okay. Thyatira, right? Philadelphia? Yeah. Pergamum? Galatia? Sardis, okay. That's not, we're about 20, and we're going to price me 20. Huh? Cappadocia, yeah, well done. Look at this. Toby, look at you. You're, be, you're, you're being a good leader. Uh, anybody else? Anybody else? Rome, yes. Guess what? Crete, Crete, true. Guess how many churches there are? 39. Alexandria, Antioch. Uh, Antioch, Syria, Antioch, Pisidian, Athens, Babylon, Berea, Capernaum, Caesarea, Chantria, Colossae, Corinth, Crete, Cyprus, Cyrene, Damascus, Derby, Heriopolis, Iconium, Jerusalem, Joppa, Lydda, Lystra, Pota, Philippi, Ptolemais, 
Wow, these names are interesting. Petulio, Rome, Sidon, Tar Tarsus, Thessalonica, Troas, Tyre, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. It's a lot of churches, right? So I had no idea. So now you know whenever you're playing Bible trivia, you know, and you get your category in Jeopardy, whatever, you build it. Nailed it, you'll be able to do it. But here's the deal. In those 39 churches, do you think that they dealt with any of the challenges that we currently are dealing with right now? You think there might be some wisdom in that we could glean? I'll tell you one thing. You want to feel better about yourself? Read about the church in Corinth, and you'll feel a lot better about turning for it, trust me. So, um, but so, so I, I feel like there, there are so many great lessons there. You know, how do you be unified in heart and mind when you have so many different people with different opinions and different uh, leanings and different theological bents from so many different, uh, you know, uh, economic scales and, and uh, demographic? How do, you, how do you have diversity, have unity simultaneous with diversity? What do, you do, what do you do when there's a conflict in the church? What do you do when uh, a, a group isn't being neglected in a particular thing? What do you do when there, uh, you know, there are uh, teachers teaching different things in a church? How do you know, uh, you know, you could look at Galatia. How, how do you know where to emphasize obedience and faithful Christ-like living? And where do you know to emphasize grace and forgiveness and, and how much and, you know, what do we need to do with our money and who decides what the church does, what personality it has and who chooses leaders anyway and do we even need leaders and can't, can't the church, can't we just all have a, you know, sort of a, a consensus thing and do we need buildings or don't we, you know, we can just be in house churches and all kinds of stuff, questions that, that we deal with, they dealt with all of them. And I feel like God can really help us through that. So that's what's coming up uh, in the next several weeks. We're not going to do all 39, but we will choose among them ones uh, um, in which there's a lot of text that will help us put some skin on how do we, for instance, I'm thinking about 1 Corinthians where he says, I, I command you that I want all of you to agree with one another, that there may be no divisions among you but that you're perfectly united mind and thought. And you're saying, how in the world am I supposed to do that? I don't agree with that person. I love them, but I don't agree with them. I have an opinion about, hey, I want communion done this way, or I want to meet here. And somebody says, I want, okay, so how do we work that out? How do we have no divisions and be perfectly united and agree with each other when we don't agree with each other? What in the world? But I know there's got to be a way to do it if Jesus died for it. And he gave us his words to be able to learn. So that's what we're going to do in the uh, upcoming weeks. The thing I want to leave us with before we go to our groups, though, is I just want to uh, take a moment to read the uh, account in Acts chapter 2. And something else we're going to do, this is going to blow your mind, right? We're going we're gonna to go old school. We're going to go like first century. You know, everybody in the first century read from their own Bible. They didn't have a screen, you know. They read from their own Bible. Actually, but they really didn't have it all right for uh, 1,600 years. Right. So anyway, um, but what we're going to ask people to do is we're going to ask you to bring your tablets or bring your phone or bring your paper Bible for the more spiritual. There's Joe V. I know the more spiritual people have paper Bibles. I get that. I'm trying to catch up. I, I know it reads differently. But if you do have one, turn to Acts chapter 2. And I just want to read this because it gives us a picture as we close out here. It gives a picture of what the church that we're a part of, what it began as, what it, what it at its best is supposed to look like, right? <laughs> so uh, obviously often the ideal, the real rather, it, it falls short of the ideal, but it's always good to keep your eyes on the ideal and the, and the, and the mark so that you, as you reach for it, you'll get as close to it as possible. So everybody in Acts chapter 2. You guys know that's the Church of Christ passage, even though our name is Turning Point Christian Church, but we are, uh, we're both Church of Christ. That's an interesting thing, the names of the churches, right? 
Christian churches, Church of Christ, the way many other names. We can, we can go on all of that too. Let's start in verse 22. And I just want you to listen. Not a lot of commentary, just listen. I'm going to try to read. I've been working on reading, so I'm going to try to read it. And uh, we'll close out at the end. But I want in particular for you to focus on how it describes the feeling among the community that is the church, united by uh, all these, um, by, by this one thing. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I got to go in verse 5. Everybody okay? Read a little Bible. Nothing wrong with reading the Bible, I don't think. Okay? It says, um, you know, I got to start in verse 1, okay? I'm going to start in verse 1. Why not start at the beginning? Mike Morgan? Come on, man. In the beginning. Genesis 1, in the beginning. No. So go all the way back. Okay. Let's see how far we get. Okay. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues just as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So that's a trip, right? Someone who says A, B, C, D, and, and then all these different languages hear it simultaneously in their own language. It says, utterly amazed, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own na native language? Parthenians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to uh, Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, United, you know, United Nations. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. There we go again. Go down. Well, man, I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm going to go for it. Okay. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, man, as you suppose. It's only uh, nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour my spirit in those, uh, in those days, pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs of the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." He's going in apocalyptic language from Joel, but he's saying, guys, what Joel talked about those, during those days is happening right now. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was hang, handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an, on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God had raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David didn't ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make uh, your enemies a footstool for your feet. Once again, uh, quoting from the Hebrew Scriptures. Therefore, let all Israel be sure of this. God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children who, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 2,000 years far off would be us. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You always round up or down. You, you can't count 3,000 people. And, you know, so he says about 3,000. This is the part I want us to land on. I want us to think about this is what characterized the birthday of the church and the new church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's our, those are our roots right there. And can you imagine... Jerusalem is however many thousand people, and it swells to several times that with people from all over. I've heard, you know, estimates of hundreds of thousands of people. And you got all these foreigners, people who, you know, hadn't ever met maybe someone from another nation, or maybe they would see them when they went to these feasts three times a year in uh, Jerusalem. And so they're all there. They're all spending time. They're all together. They're having this miraculous experience. They're hearing people speak in, in their native language, all this, and then they get, hey, your sin. Jesus died for your sin. They're cut to the heart. They all repent. They uh, uh, all are baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, and now they are immediately and automatically a community. So put yourself, you're just going to visit, like you're going to the Super Bowl, you're going to whatever event, you're going to, you know, some occasion to visit your relatives, and all of a sudden you realize Jesus is king, and he rose from the dead, and your whole life changes, and you're baptized, and now what? Now what do we do? I mean, think about that. How radically insane. My whole life changes on a dime. And now I got 3,000 new best friends. And we don't have any jobs and we don't have money because we were just saying temporarily and, you know, the, all the hotels are booked and we got to figure out how to live. And I'm saying that, that, it, that spirit of, hey, we're just happy to be together we are, we are in love with the fact that God reached all of us at the same time. And we don't get it. You know, you, you, they didn't even go through first principles. They didn't have it all figured out, right? They, just, they were just like, uh, I just know Jesus rose, and I love all of these people. That's, our, that's sort of our beginning model. I just want us to think about, do I look at the church? And, of course, the answer is no, unless I'm intentional about it. Because what's wrong with the church over time can supersede what is right with the church. Over time, as in any relationship, as in a dream job, as in a dream relationship, as in a dream marriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so our job is to remember, okay, how great is being a part of God's church? How great is it to belong to something like that? And so that's what we're going to be working on in the uh, next uh, several weeks. And I want to say this to you. We are a bit crazy. We are. We really are. How could we not be, given our population? But I want to tell you, this is, by the grace of God, a loving community, and we are bound and determined to let nothing and no one destroy or harm what Jesus gave his blood for yep. here in Turning Point. Amen. So I am happy you're here. I hope you're happy I'm here. But either way, it doesn't matter because God both, both put us both here, and so we might as well figure out how to get along and how to belong to each other. So. I belong, you belong, we belong, and in the next several weeks, we'll learn how to do that better. So thank you for listening. May God bless and keep you, and have great discussion groups, and try to belong. Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, Michael, can you leave this up? Sorry.
Talk about how to blow a mood. Sorry about that. Can I just make this one public service announcement? Where's Thiele? Oh, hey, what's up, Thiele? Okay. Um, oh, it is? Okay. This phone? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. On May 16th, our own Thiele Thatch, uh, she is running for the Van Nuys Neighborhood Council as an at-large representative. She is by far the best person, most qualified, absolutely for sure, for the position. So if you are a Van Nuys resident, raise your hand if you're a Van Nuys resident, you want to vote on May 16th or church gore for Thiele Thatch. Thiele, can you please stand up? She is a remarkable person. So please vote for her. Amen. God bless you and keep you. Also, um, Lori Parson was uh, chosen as Nurse of the Year uh, for 2018 in her. And that's phenomenal. I know she's not here. She's doing her thing in South Pass, but big ups to her. Okay. Love you.